0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 157 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed, Stargate writer and SG-1 Atlantis and Universe executive producer. Paul Mully is joining us uh, for this episode. Before we bring him in, if you enjoy... Uh, The Stargate franchise and you like particularly the content that Dial the Gate is bringing every week. It would mean a great deal to me if you click the like button. I know, you know, every YouTube video asks you to do this, but it really does help with um, uh, our exposure to other Stargate fans who haven't discovered us yet and helps us grow our audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend and if you want to get notified about future episodes click that subscribe icon and giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my uh notifications on any last minute guest changes because these these talent are working and you know things pop up and clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few weeks on the dial the gate and gateworld.net uh youtube channels as this is a live stream I have a moderating team uh, standing by in the YouTube live chat, so anyone who is joining us live can submit their questions to Paul. I'll go through and pick the best of the ones for uh, the end of the show, and we'll go from there. but until then, he is all mine. Mr. Paul Mully, writer and executive producer Stargate. Sir, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here.. Bye.
1: Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I hope I don't know if, if I spoke over you when you were doing your intro. You said 157 episodes, and I went, "What?" I made some. Yes, no, you, I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I was I was surprised. I did not had no clue that it was 157 episodes. That seems. That's crazy.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we um, I, I'm really privileged that that uh, the show has continued. And, uh, you know, we've got folks like you who are kind enough to come in and and continue to share stories on this franchise that just will not seem to die. No, <laughs> so, in one way or another. Right. You know. Exactly. You know, um, Amazon uh, is evidently taking pitches. Uh, from a number of different uh, sources uh, right now for a potential next Stargate, be sure. it a, a uh, film or a TV show. We, we don't really know yet. All that mm. we know is that they're working on something, and sooner or later something's going to happen. And before we really get into the thick of of everything that I want to talk about with you and, and your career and with with your your Stargate life. Um, what do you think the next Stargate needs to bring to the table uh, if they're going to do another version of it?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question because, well, OK, you need a gate. <laughs> this is <laughs> true. It's going to be called Stargate. Let's, let's start with that. That round track. thing. That's really the show, right? That was it all along. It was this circle, and you stepped into it, and you went to other worlds. Uh, And then all sorts of other things happen. You went in time and, you know, all kinds of craziness happened. But that's the basic premise, right? So you obviously need that. I I, I don't see how you do a show without that. The next biggest thing for me is the characters. So that's a tougher one. Do you have to have Jack O'Neill and Daniel Jackson, right? Are they integral to the idea? Are they sort of baked in to the very idea? You did not necessarily somebody else could, someone with a a different name an archaeologist with a different name could know about, but it's going to have... Does it have to have Egyptian connections? The Stargate could be something else in this. I, it's pretty open, I would say. I mean, the basic, because we stuck with the premise of the movie, which was Jack O'Neill was a guy who had lost his son. And, you know, and those characters started from the same place that they started from the movie, right? Like they were they, continued sort of theoretically in our minds mm-hmm. from that, from that storyline. So we, we kept that. But is it necessary for Stargate? I, I, I don't know. Uh, you need a gate. You need a team of people going through the gate and having adventures. They could be anybody, really, it could be. I also think a key element for me is that was the, show, the fact that the show was contemporary. Uh, you know, that these were people living in, well, at the time, the early 2000s, now in the 2020s, uh, right. dealing with the problems of today but also then going to other worlds because that was, I think, what always made Stargate stand out for me. Aside from character stuff, was the fact that it was contemporary. It wasn't set in the future, unlike Star Trek and Star Wars. And well, Star Wars is set millions of years in the past, apparently. But uh, uh it's futuristic. Uh, you know that idea that, yeah, futuristic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, the the we could have that balance of going to other worlds and seeing futuristic things and spaceships and stuff, but grounded in contemporary in the contemporary world i for me that was a kind of a key element of the show i guess again you don't theoretically need to do that but why wouldn't you from a production standpoint it certainly makes the show a lot easier to make uh made the show a lot easier to make for us because we could tell earth stories which didn't require us to build huge elaborate sets you know we could just go on location and and see cars driving around. They didn't have to be future cars. <laughs> didn't have know, to hide they them, yeah. They, 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 they could just be regular. And, and so, and it also just, I think, made it in a way more relatable for the audience because the characters lived in the same world, ostensibly, that they lived in, except they just knew something special that was kind of hidden from, from everybody else. But so I think it was a door in for a lot of people. Uh, and, and maybe for people who aren't maybe such hardcore sci-fi fans who don't necessarily want to see a show that's set in space, all the time, you know that it had, a, it had that grounding aspect to it. Again, does that mean the other Stargate has to have that? I, I don't know what it has to have to work. I'm not. I, I I don't pretend to sort of know what makes people like shows, right? Like like there's a weird alchemy that happens when you're trying to create a TV show. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It mostly is it mostly revolves around the characters you know, and their interactions, creating cool characters that the people that people are going to relate to. And then obviously putting them in crazy situations. That's what sci-fi does, right? Uh, So, you know, you need a core group of people that the audience is going to relate to and going to want to see week after week or hour after hour if they're streaming it and watching it and binging it. Um, But these are basic concepts, right? These aren't any science fiction show needs that. Any show needs Mm -hmm. that. So, as far as the target goes, I would say it needs a gate <laughs> and, and a team of and a team of likable, relatable characters to go through that gate and have adventures. Other than that, it's pretty wide open. I would say there
0: there is a um, uh, a a degree of whimsy about it as well. There, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, sure. most, m- most sure. of it doesn't, so, but sometimes right. it can elevate itself to that level as with heroes or some of these other stories right. where it's like, yeah, we're talking about some pretty major issues here. We're going to have to kind of put the, some of, some of our silliness to the side for this one right. as you know, to, to, get the audience to buy into this thing that, yeah, we're, we're taking this guy and we're, tra- this wraith and we're transforming him into a human against his will You know, to see if we can defang our enemies, you know, that there's there's that the show, I think the the show's ability to modulate its intensity uh, enables me as an audience member to enjoy it better than something like like uh, Doctor Who. I can't stand Doctor Who. I I to epi- say
1: Battlestar Galactica personally because well, that was or my- at the other end
0: of that so intense, <laughs> you know? I mean, both of those, yeah. uh, even Dr. episodes that are brilliant of it that I that I must admit are are fantastic science fiction. But the core principle of it, I can't hang my hat on.
1: Right. I, I think I agree with you. you. You said it correctly when you said it's our ability to modulate that because it was it was sort of going back and forth, right? There was a there was a rhythm between the seriousness mm-hmm. and the levity uh, of the show that made it work for me like like battlestar for example was a a lot of people love that show and i'm not dissing the show but for me personally it was just so relentlessly serious Mm -hmm. uh about itself that i i couldn't i just i need a little bit i need that to know that the the people making the show know that they're making a show but not in a way that's obvious and and ruins it for me just just that they understand that you know we are not saving we're not curing cancer here right we're making it this is entertainment Yes, it can be serious. And, obvious, and obviously, like Universe, for example, was a much more serious uh, iteration of Stargate, which was fun to do because we had done a lot more. Not that there wasn't humor in, in Universe too. You know, I, I, for, for me, the humor is, it would be a key element for me to enjoy the show. Does that necessarily mean it has to have it? Is it baked in again to the Stargate idea? Uh, I, from my point of view, yes, but I, I'm one person, right? They're trying to reach a, a large audience. And uh, so I would like it if they, if they had a little bit of humor, I, I think and I would say that about any show though, right? Like, like any, especially science fiction, because it can be so heavy, because it can be dark, because it can be dealing with some pretty, um, scary concepts. It always helps. And it, again, it comes back to relating, making the characters relatable. If they're funny, if they're funny with each other, if they understand the circumstance isn't funny, the circumstance is deadly, serious, and scary. But the characters themselves can see it with a, with a little bit of humor. Uh, it just makes them more relatable, and 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 at the end makes the show better. Whatever show we're talking about,
0: right? Because we're 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 with them. We're experiencing it with them, alongside them. Yep. Ideally, hopefully, right. That makes a right. lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that that's probably a key element too. Now that you bring that up, I I, I mean, I would want to see that mm-hmm. in a, in a new version. I, I have no idea what's going to happen with this. I, 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 knew, I do know that from our point of view, it's going to be frustrating because I guarantee you they're going to spend way more money than we ever right. even got close to spending, even in current dollars, even if you compare <laughs> it inflation. <laughs> The, 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 you know, the, this, they're going to make it a tentpole thing. I, I, at least I assume that's what they're going to do. I, I, that's how I would approach it, too, which means they're going to throw a lot of money at it. Uh, but will it have substance? Well, that, uh, that's the who knows, thing. but they'll be allowed to do stuff. So from our point of view, when I say our point of view, I'm talking yeah. about me and Joseph and Brad and Robert. We're going to look at it and go, fuck, it's only we. Sorry, I'm gonna <laughs> no, you're fine. Be, am I allowed to, to swear on this show? Uh, uh, later you are. <laughs> <No>. uh, um,
0: <laughs> later into the hour.
1: <laughs> it's an advertising, uh, but well, we are going to you know look at it and go, oh, I wish we had had that you know right. <laughs> we'd usually had right. that amount of money to do. We could have done some pretty impressive things too, but you're right, I mean at the end of the day, you can throw a ton of money at the screen if if people don't like the characters, no one's going to care exactly. so you know, so who knows it's 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 an interesting challenge I'm curious to see what happens. I don't have a dog in the fight, so it's other than my own sort of idea of what I like to see in science fiction. Uh, you know, I'm just a viewer at that point. So who knows?
0: We'll see. I would think that you have, you would have an a vested interest in also preserving the canon of what you've created rather than them yeah. coming in and saying, you know what, this Stargate <laughs> thing, it's not like a Star Wars or a Star Trek. We can blank slate it. Yeah. And no one will complain.
1: Yeah, I... I'm maybe not the best defender of the canon out there. Okay. Uh, I, 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 maybe this is heresy to say this, but I, I don't. Oh, my. Sorry, my cat is coming in through the Oh, No, bathroom. it's
0: okay. Cats can cat.
1: I, I can hear him uh, scratching at the door. <laughs> irritated that I had him locked out. Now he's like, calling him. He's like, what are you doing? Why are oh, you. Oh, hello. This is Freddy. This is Freddy. Say hello, Freddy. He's like, it's what? Beautiful. Anyway, you go away now. He's gonna irritate me through this whole thing now. Of course, now he's now in the locked room with me. So anyway. <laughs> that's. Funny. I forgot that he has his own little door to get in. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you saying?
0: We're talking about the cannon.
1: Oh yeah, the cannon. Okay, so I, the problem is the cannon is massive, right? It's massive. Yeah. Like this was part of my process preparing for this because you know, I haven't talked about, I don't do a lot of interviews, so I haven't kept up. I haven't constantly talked about Stargate for the last 10 years. So I, so there's a gap there for me. So I'm like, I should look up some of this stuff and remind myself what we did. It was much when, like the last time we talked about universe, that was much easier right. because universe was a later closer in my memory and B much smaller. There's only two seasons. I can sort of encapsulate all of universe in my head at one time or close to it. Stargate, I can't even come close. I started to look through it and I was like, Oh my God. Like I had sort of forgotten, honestly, the scope of the show.
0: Yeah. You have to take it one bite at a time.
1: Because because when you're making it, you don't think about that, right? It's like the next episode, the next, what's the season finale? Like, okay, what's the opening for the next season? It's like, you're in this process. You're not thinking about, but then when it's over, you look over your shoulder and there's 10 years of episodes behind you and, and an incredible uh, variety of ideas and villains and, you know, can like the canon is massive.
0: So you guys I did 120 shows to... in three years yeah I that know. is insane that's know, insane by any not modern done any, margin
1: it's not really done anymore no, no it's not done anymore and we can talk about that because stargate really i think we've brought this up before but it really sort of uh straddled a huge transformation in how television is made how television is sold how television is watched it, it really did start in one era and end in a completely different era yeah. and survived through that, which I, I am impressed by that too. Just the fact that yeah. we survived yeah. those changes, but yeah, I mean, I almost feel like you have to start with a bit of a blank slate in terms of the Canon, because it's just too much baggage. It's just too much to, to, I understand to bring with you. If you're starting a new show, like I, I don't, I, I think people have got to give them that. You've got to say, okay, look, this exists. Stargate SG-1 and, and Universe and Alliance are going to continue to exist. People can watch it whenever they want to watch it. This will still have the name Stargate and it'll be different. And that's okay. Like I want to say it's okay for it to be different. It's, it's okay for it. One of the things I don't like about you know some of like star trek and star wars and a lot of these more recent sort of reiterations of it is they kind of tend to wallow in their own stuff Mm. they don't move forward especially star wars like i i I just it drove me crazy when on star wars started to kind of come back and after the the episodes one two and three which i pretend don't exist anyway (laughs) uh they they uh they didn't go forward they continue to rehash. It's like Rogue
0: One and Solo and, you know, well, even it's like, uh, the, the sequel trilogy. It's, it's like the Empire didn't go away. The first yeah, order. Just exactly. It's just like, its place. OK, like where does time come from? New... Yeah.
1: yeah. Time for a new villain. Why not? Yeah. Why does it always have to be the Empire? Maybe there's a villain. I mean, they have alien creatures in that in that universe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Come up with something else. Move forward. Uh, you've got you've got this incredible canvas, this and this dedicated audience, and tons of resources. Do something with it that other than rehash the same stuff. And and so I kind of would feel that way a little bit about Stargate as well. It's like, sure, I want them to be respectful and everything, but honestly, I want to see new stuff. Right. There's science fiction. There's it's it's, it's especially that freaking round gate. It's an open. It's the most open concept. <laughs> you can possibly imagine in science fiction mm-hmm. right you can go in you can just do anything you want and and so i i personally would want to see them sort of go forward and not just rehash the same stuff
0: i think that they can i think that they can do it it's it's interesting because there's a this if you want to tell earth based stories and you want to tell stargate stories you can each either reset the the discovery of the gate or you have to maintain mm-hmm. its continuity of where it's been throughout our history in terms of what you guys established. It's only at specific locations throughout history. And so if we're going right. to move it forward in time, we're going to have to either change this location up or, um, and just acknowledge, you know, O'Neal and some of these other players that were part of the history, but that's been 20 years now. Those guys, a lot of them are just retired. Um, yeah. And then tell a story from there or, hit the big red reset button and it's going to be interesting I, to see what I they I personally do with it. would
1: hit the big red reset button you yourself would uh yeah, yeah. i would i would. again it's not it's i don't see it as being disrespectful to the canon or anything like that i see it as people wanting to see new stories that's all and and the, and the canon is it's almost like you. if you wanted to start stargate 20 years in the future from where we started it like you said all that stuff is still there which means you have to service it and and it's just too much yeah there's the Asgard and Anubis and all the technology we had been given you know what are the stakes too much yeah yeah it's (laughs) I I, maybe I'm I'm saying the wrong thing here but I I I, personally I would like it to I would like it to be like Stargate in the creative sense of like you said having humor having uh, relatable characters who are contemporary, that people could, those are the key elements. The the, the canon evolved because we were telling stories with these people in this gate. We didn't set out to create a canon, right? We set out to create good episodes. And over time, that formed a canon. But Mm -hmm. that's not why we made the show, right? To have this huge mythology. It just evolved out of doing episodes of television that were good episodes of television. Yeah. So I would want them to take whoever's doing the new Stargate. I would want them to take
0: the same approach. It's interesting, though. I mean, it's kind of like a snake eating its tail. I I continually come across new Stargate fans, even even someone right. that that I until uh, this recently with Andy Frizell, haven't seen since kindergarten at a at a reunion, right. and he found out what I do, and he had started watching Stargate just a few days before. And now Mm -hmm. he's on, like, season eight, and he loves it. So Mm -hmm. you may have been doing it with the intention of creating great television. You left a canon as a result, and that's what a lot of people keep on coming back for again and again. So it's kind of like – you know I can understand where they they don't want it scrubbed because a lot of people have the mindset of whatever is currently on, that is what exists. And if you're not in service to what came before, then that is considered dead. And I Uh, think that those – are frankly too rigid. Even though I may agree with well the agree. perception. I think that that, that perception is frankly too rigid that because it's not currently yeah. being serviced on television, it must be dead. You know, whatever the canon is. I agree.
1: I agree. I mean, like I said, that it's not like the shows are going to disappear. Right. <laughs> it's not like they're changing the timeline and, and Stargate SU one with the character that we wrote with the actors that we worked with suddenly disappears and doesn't exist anymore. It's right. It's still out there. You can still watch it. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, Star Trek did this too, right? Mm-hmm. They rebooted With The Kelvin and, timeline. Yeah, and it's a new timeline. And so does that mean the original series is gone? No, I watch it all the time. It's yeah. still on TV every day. <laughs> <laughs> the merchandise still right sells really well. I turn on cable. So <laughs> and I still like it. I still enjoy it. So I, I don't see it as being that big of a problem. Yeah. And in that particular situation,
0: uh, uh, they went out of their way to reference an alternate timeline was made.
1: And yeah. if Amazon
0: does some similar in terms of like hanging a lantern on it, like like the writer's term, you know, like acknowledge it and now moving on. Yeah. I could be convinced to accept that.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know if they will. Uh yeah. I I don't know. It's it's a tough problem. Yeah. It's a tough problem to to say, okay, you're redoing this franchise. You know, how do you want to do it? I mean, that's a long meeting. So uh,
0: <laughs> that's many meetings. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. I I, I just hope it's good. Yeah. I, right. I just hope they don't. My my fear is that they pump a lot of money into something and it comes out feeling kind of hollow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because I've seen that happen a, a lot of times before uh, with not with Stargate, but with other things. And, and not necessarily with reboots, but just with science fiction and genre stuff in general. Right. There's this kind of attitude now since game of thrones that the well you got to go big you got to go big it's the only way you can succeed especially with these streamers who have apparently bottomless pits full of money uh that they can that they can dig into uh but it doesn't necessarily translate into into something that i want to watch just because it's big budget and has huge scope and stuff like that so that would be my concern more than anything else just just make me want to spend time with the characters and the rest will work itself
0: out. One of the, and I agree, one of one of the concerns that I am continually seeing raised, and I'm interested in your take on this, uh, in, in the communications that, that come out about these, these new programming, and I will just delineate this down to say that there are many fans that are concerned that whoever creates the next thing Activism will be more important than entertainment, oh. and I think that it's like if you go straight back to Star to the original Star Trek, messages were always important, but they don't supersede the entertainment. Right. And you're seeing arguably a lot more of that now because everyone right. is using everything as a platform to talk to someone else about what they think is most important. Where right. do you Where do you see that line?
1: uh i'm not i'm i'm uh old school i guess or just old uh uh (laughs) i i I just want i just want good stories you know if 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 they service some kind of uh um agenda for something you want to say about the world that's fine there's nothing wrong with that i but it's still got to be a good story Mm -hmm. i think there's a there's a the mistake is that well if we just plug in you know these certain tropes that are popular right now and these types of characters and this level of diversity and whatever then we're hitting all the buttons and it's then it's going to work and it's like no it still has to be a good story you can do all that mm-hmm. but it still has to be a good story a and, service and, of story yeah exactly yeah. exactly so uh i i yeah i would just come back to the, the same the same stuff like mm-hmm. the same ideas of of what it takes to write a good story it does, doesn't mean you can't have all those elements but they themselves don't make it good, I right. guess is what I'm saying
0: yeah exactly and and sci-fi is the perfect genre for that sci-fi it's, it's always designed that to to make you think you know you you can turn it on uh, and and turn off your brain or turn your brain on even further
1: no that's why that's why rod Serling made made uh, the Twilight Sony we because he could because he could write political stories that would not be allowed on any other television at the time, but because it was science fiction, people were like, nah, it's not real. So who cares? Right. So he could deal with issues of, of the day, you know, and, and take them on and, and, and frankly, get away with it in a way that yeah. other people probably wouldn't have been able to do in straight drama. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing for science fiction to do. So there's no reason for it not to do that, but it still needs to be a good story.
0: I think that that's its strength. Yeah. Telling good stories and, and and make making us making us think. I don't I don't think science fiction is worthy of the name if it doesn't do both. Right. So, uh, any any uh, c- current projects that we need to be aware of that you've been familiar uh, with not not
1: not in the film and television industry. I'm trying to trying to translate transition into writing novels. Actually, I have a novel that I've written, in and I'm, and I'm, right now I'm trying to uh, find a, an agent and a publisher for it. Um, uh, so yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. It's a very different world and and it's a world I know nothing about and have no connections to whatsoever. So I'm kind of starting from scratch. Is it sci-fi? Uh, yeah, it's sci-fi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's still sci-fi. Okay. Uh, I could not write a straight drama. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, no, I, I think I, you I could. could. I, now I think in science fiction tropes, that's, that's how, I's, how, I's, how I've always been creatively. Uh, it's always, it was my, first love if you will you know uh in terms of like what i like to watch what i like to read and stuff like that it's not that i don't like other stuff but i always come back to science fiction and the idea that i had was was actually an evolution of an idea that was originally a pitch that brad actually never got it was for the outer limits we pitched the outer limits this is before we were on stargate before we'd ever met brad and robert uh and and I told him the pitch. I think I might have told you this, but I told him the pitch years later when we were on Stargate. He's like, I would have bought that, but he never saw it because it went through Trilogy, <laughs> which was the production company and they tried right. that. Uh, it's it, it very different from that original pitch, but that was the, the seed, seed if you will. Yeah, that 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 eventually became my novel. Um, so yeah, so I'm just trying to sell a novel right now, which is not a super fun experience, but uh, try, even just getting people to try and you know, try and get people of course to his, his, Did, his can you stuff. share the title with us the title right now it's a working title i'd say it's called never seen rain it's never it's a it's it a so it's a it's a um what's the term mid-distant future uh uh-huh. so it's so it's basically set in a in a future where we have uh colonized the solar system but uh-huh. not yet le- don't yet have faster than light travel so haven't gone other stars yet we're just on the cusp of that and it's set in that world the, the idea for me was to talk about what it would be like for ordinary colonizing space for ordinary people so you're past the stage where it's just astronauts and super elite engineers and, and scientists now it's like colonies and if you think about it if there's a colony in space that means there's chefs and, and, you know, A whole ecosystem like that, of right? Human yeah. society. Yeah. Uh, living, living out there and what would, what it would be like. And, and my, the basic premise is that it would be an incredibly alienating. It's, it's kind of dark uh, that it, that it would essentially sort of drive people crazy to, to be in space that that we're not at this stage in our evolution, really ready for that kind of, or it's, it's Earth. actually asking the question, are we really ready for
0: that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the world that, that it's, that the novel is set in. I can't imagine having children who had never seen rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where the,
1: that's, that's basically the concept.
0: Wow. Uh, people, people who have first, maybe
1: second or third generation of people who've never been to earth, who've never wow. lived on earth. And what would
0: that be like? Yeah. The, how would we even relate to someone like that? You know, right? it's interesting to tell stories about some of these people, you know, some, some of these stories are just completely out there. We were talking with Mike Dopud about, mm-hmm. uh, he was playing a, a, uh, a cannibal. Right. I like like a a a pretty straightforward, you know, suit and tie, you know, cannibal. How how do you relate to that kind of a person? You know? How <laughs> do you go one. there? So <laughs> but some people have to in terms of the work that they do. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh any updates on uh the potential next uh, chapter of, of Dark Matter? I know some fans have been asking about that.
1: Nah, Joe knows more that about that than okay. me. He, I think he said something on his blog okay. about uh he had a meeting with Jay and they were talking about because it's moved to CW something or other, another streaming service. I, yeah. I, okay. I, I've lost track of all the streaming services. Me too. I, I, I actually lost my wallet and I had to cancel my credit card. It's a good way to find out how many subscriptions <laughs> you have if you've forgotten because they start emailing you like, oh, they do indeed want their money. I'm like, I forgot about that one. Jeez, yeah, I'm going to let that one die. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, was, it was the uh, the, up, the only good thing about losing my wallet because i had a lot of subscriptions but yeah so it's on a new service now and i guess if it gets some traction in there maybe there's the idea that because they're apparently looking for content and hey all right uh, yeah and he talked about the possibility of another comic book but i I don't i don't know how realistic that is either um i don't know joe would have a better idea uh of how i mean it's there's always possibilities but the question is how real is it right like how and and i don't really know
0: well, you know, there is a fandom there. There's a fervent fandom for it. And oh. as as long as there is there's is interest, there is hope. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, absolutely. How did you guys tell us about the journey that led you uh into pitching Stargate? How did you guys start your collaboration? And tell me has about. Joe not told you any. Of Joe hasn't told you. He this has, story? but I want. <laughs> I want to hear it from you. I want to hear about bad movie night, and I want to hear comes about out But your take about it because we uh, never we never really get to hear from you, and I uh, I think the quiet ones have some stories well, to tell. Yeah,
1: right. Here, here's here's how I remember it. I don't know how he told it to, you, but uh, I mean, if I'm going right, so first of all, he started working in animation, and yes. and he he got me working animation, but that I kind of see that as a separate stream that eventually stopped because we started doing other things uh the the live action the the steps that took us to Stargate didn't really involve the animation stream if you will uh the way I remember it and I know I know for a fact what got me into it was I had an idea for a movie Uh, I I know exactly where I was I was on the bus (laughs) I was driving down I was going from Beaconsfield in, in the West Island of Montreal downtown I think I was going to school I think I was going to McGill at the time The University of McGill and, uh, or McGill University, I guess it would be called. Um, And uh, I had seen a movie. I don't know if he's told you this. I had seen a movie called, just recently before that bus ride called, I think it was called Echo Park with Susan Day and Tom Hulse. It's not a science fiction movie. It's got nothing to do with anything except there's a scene in this movie where Tom Hulse is delivering pizzas to a like biker gang hangout and he gets kind of roughed up by the bikers. And for some reason, I have no idea why, I'm on the bus, and I, this idea popped into my head of a guy who had to deliver pizza in a kind of an urban dystopia of the future, where you know he's constantly under attack, but he's got to get the pizzas through. And at the time, uh, Domino's had this thing where if 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 the pizza's not there in 30 minutes, it's free. I don't think they do that anymore.
0: I don't think so either. Uh, <laughs> I think they gave up on that. I
1: think they had to give away too many free pizzas. Eventually, they gave up on that. But I literally, the log line of the movie popped into my head and it was, if he's not there in 30 minutes, he's dead. And, <laughs> and so I, I just had this image of I'm this poster nervous. and the log line. And the guy, I even know who was in the movie, in my mind, it was, um, oh shit, I'm blanking on his name now. Bruce, Bruce Campbell uh, yeah, from okay. Evil Dead. Yeah, he was, you know, you got to imagine the younger version of Bruce Campbell at the time because <laughs> was, you know, in the, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, And anyway, I had this idea and Joe was already writing cartoons and writing, writing scripts of his own, just trying to sell stuff. And, and, and I had never written a script and I pitched him the idea of, and it was called, it was called pizza man, 2017. Ironically, 2017 seemed like the distant future time. Uh, uh, If he's not there in 30 minutes, he's dead. That's really all I had. That was it. And, (laughs) and And he was like, that's a great idea. You should write it. And so I tried and I wrote maybe like 20 pages. And I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, up till that point, writing for me was writing short stories. I'd always written. I'd, I'd like, I liked creative writing. I liked doing it, but uh, I'd never written a script. A
0: whole different beast. I didn't
1: know what I was doing. I had no clue. So I gave yeah. it to, so he's like, well, give it to me. I'll look at it. And so then he started working on it and then he sent it back to me and we just sent it back and forth until eventually we had a script. And that was how we started r- working together. Um, we had been friends and, and, but, and we were both writers, but we hadn't really done anything together. And so that was it. And then it kind of kicked around the sort of Montreal scene. I remember this director got his hands on it. He was like, I'm going to make this movie. Of course he didn't. Um, and then he eventually got it into the hands of these producers who also didn't make it, but they eventually got it into the hands of, excuse me, our, eventually the guy who became our agent, Carl Lieberman, who worked for a company called the characters or works. He still does. Yes in Toronto, and um, <clears throat> Rob Cooper, it turned out, we didn't know this at the time, was also a client of the, of the characters. In fact, I think his father-in-law started the company. Um, so there was a connection there that we didn't know about at the time. We were just, we suddenly had an agency he liked the script. He's like, oh, okay, I like the script with you guys. I, I, we could make a deal and I could represent you and I could try to get you TV work. And uh, so we said, yeah, sure. And then I don't know how much time passed couple of years or something I don't remember exactly we were working in animation and then he got us work on uh sort of a teen sitcom called a student bodies uh this was like sort of late 90s <clears throat> and so we did that together Joe and I did that together we wrote that show it was a lot of fun uh and right when that ended we were working on a few other things and then we got a call one day saying hey do you guys want to pitch for Stargate and I'd never seen the show but I'd seen the movie so, I watched some episodes of the show. I think they sent us some videotapes. That's, again, how, how long ago this was. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't even DVDs yet. Ah, VHS. Let's uh, pause, if
0: you don't mind. <laughs> at this point, you had already had uh, Movie Night with with Stargate. So, you had seen it prior. Mm-hmm. What was your impression of the feature film?
1: I liked it. I thought it was a little cheesy. But, but I liked it. Uh, I... I wasn't expecting very much from it. It had not gotten particularly good reviews, and and and. Uh, but I'm a sci- I'm a science fiction guy, right? I'm always going to give science fiction the benefit of the doubt. I'm always going to. It never quite lives up to what I hope it's going to be. Most science fiction movies don't, but I appreciate the effort. I appreciate that somebody's out there trying to tell these types of stories. Uh, so so no yeah I, I liked, I, I I like I said I, it had not been to me at least it had not been sold as this awesome movie. Uh, so I had you know not the highest expectations for it uh, but which always sort of changes how I perceive a movie Mm. Um, but I liked it and and when the show came on I didn't watch the show but right away I mean remember how I said that's that freaking circle is an incredibly open-ended storytelling device I knew that I knew that when 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 they're like Oh, they made a show about it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's a good idea for a TV show. Like, That's, that's going to work. Yeah, that's a yeah. great idea for a TV show. I didn't know all about the gold and all right. the, the mythology that they had created. I just knew they had a thing that you stepped through and went to other planets, which to me was cool. And so we watched a few episodes. And uh, and I think we told you, we told the story where they gave us the Bible and it was like this thick. Already. Binder, and it, this was season, this was after three seasons, yeah. not 10 seasons, this is, it was already, and I'm like, we can't read this. So we read, I skimmed it and, <laughs> but mainly we watched episodes and and just tried to hear the voices of the characters and, and feel the tone of the show. And then we pitched, um, uh, and I think the, I don't know if, so the original pitch, the first pitch that they liked and that we turned into an outline was Scorched Earth, mm-hmm. I believe, I think that was the first one we wrote. Mm-hmm. And then window of opportunity, I think was also in that group of pitches. And I think that was the second one that we wrote, even though it wound up being produced first. Um, and one of the things I just watched window of opportunity for this, I, I went back and I was like, can I watch any episodes? I'm like, there's too many, I can't watch all the season ending. No. episodes. So I, I was design. like, I'm going to watch window of, I'm going to watch that one because that was the first one. And, and I, and I watch it and it's a very funny episode. And I think that's key because we talked about humor before. And when I saw the pilot, Children of the Gods, right? Uh, the, you know the line that stood out for me most? I, all this crazy stuff is happening. But I remember when Tilk, Teal- when O'Neill says, come with us. And Tilk Teal- says, I've, I've got nowhere to go. And he says, for this, you can stay at my place, right? Or some, something to that effect. Right away, I knew, okay, I get it. That I get. I get that c- kind of dialogue, I like that kind of dialogue, crazy stuff's happening. People are getting shot at with lasers and stuff, but he's like, for this, you can stay at my house. It's it's a funny line. It's, it sells the character. It tells me everything I need to know honestly about that character in that moment. And so it's like, okay, I heard that. Right. And so it's like, okay, we're going to write that or try to, you know, we were new. And what's amazing as well, if you watch window of opportunity, the reason that episode works is because it was a role reversal episode where O'Neill and Teal had to do the thinking, or at least more than their share of the thinking that they normally did. Um, <laughs> Which is funny. And it was funny. But, but what's interesting about that is that it showed how well that show was already developed, even after three seasons. Because for us to go in and pitch a role, the roles had to already be so established that it would be funny to see them reversed, right? So. Right. So there was already a foundation there that we worked off of. Uh, and and I, I never really thought of it that way. But when I watched it, I was like, it's kind of interesting that as first time writers, we came in and pitched this kind of an episode and that they were OK with that. And that, you know, Rick and Chris played it so brilliantly. I mean, it was it was pretty cool that that we got to sort of that was our door in, Uh and, I, you know, I liked the episode. I liked it. It was funny. I know it's a fan favorite to this day, which is pretty amazing. Because, you know, going back to what we were talking about, what, what, what makes good science fiction, I mean, it's not an original concept, right? Like, it's
0: clearly it's Groundhog Day. We're ripping off Groundhog Day. Everybody knows we're ripping off Groundhog Day. It works day. because of the knowledge of Groundhog Day, though. Yeah. You can watch them of- without it, but having seen that film, it's a, a more enriching experience.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I hope so. But 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 my point is, the the concept is fine it's neither here nor there it's the it's all in the execution and the execution is in how the characters interact and 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 it's and that's why it's funny and and that's why people like it to this day even though it's not the biggest episode or you know it's it's not it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of a lot of the other Stargate stuff that we did over the years it's a pretty simple small story but it was funny and relatable, and 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 for that reason, people still like it to this day, which is incredible to me because it was, like I said, the second script we ever wrote and the first one that of ours that got produced.
0: I remember, I remember watching it um, and laughing so hard. It, it had been so so long since I'd laughed so hard at 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 the television set. And we get to the end of it, and uh, O'Neill says, you know. I I know the grief that you're going through. I know what it's like. Malachi right. says you can't, and right. O'Neill lashes out at them. I know. And yeah. I, I would never yeah. go through that again. And yeah. we th- the the entire series I think is exemplified in that moment because we can have the hysterics of the situation and also the poignancy of two men coming together through a a, an understanding of what it is like to suffer and what a person can be driven to do to stop the suffering right uh and it worked
1: so there's two elements there that are working right and that make good i would just say you could say television or movies or storytelling in general there's humor and there's heart right there that's that's it. That's the, everything else is bells and whistles, right? Yeah. You want adventure and you want surprises and twists, but what you really want are those other two things, because those are the things that make it relatable to people and make them want to spend time with the characters and go through the adventures, right? For me, it, it's it's so absolutely key to, well, to science fiction specific, especially uh, to have a little bit of humor and some heart, right? Uh, have just this kind of emotional core that, that, that grounds everything, uh, so it's not just crazy stuff happening in space, uh, and it's right. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be huge. It's a, it's one moment, right? It's one moment at the end of the episode, but it's a it's a real moment. It feels real. It feels it feels genuine, and and it, is, it, is. it causes an emotional resonance yeah. in the viewer, and that's what you're trying to do. Yeah,
0: there, and it proves that you uh, know. It just reinforces that everything that is potential that could potentially be working with those characters is because you can do a role reversal of all of those uh, uh, archetypes in this episode Mm -hmm. and it still holds up because the performances are so genuine and the writing is strong
1: yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was it it was a great way to start our run on Stargate I didn't realize that it would sort of resonate as long as it has (laughs) uh, at the time Uh, but great
0: I'm very glad it did and I'm very proud of it what about uh, scorched earth? We had, uh, I, th- I think, your original treatment for it ended a little bit darker, um, like them it not in finding their home world. Joe had talked about, um, yeah, we didn't actually have a plan on them. Oh, hey, look at this! We've actually found another planet out there, and hey, it's it's in Karen's. Um,
1: right. I think the original. I think I think the the the. They just, the, the aliens or the, mm. the robot who's ter- caretaking the aliens just sacrifices them. Uh, wow. In the I think that's what happens. That makes sense. I can't remember. Exactly. That, that was the first pitch, though. That was the original sort of... That was our first attempt to pitch uh, Stargate. It was the first thing we, we wrote as a pitch. Wow. And then they got us to write an outline based on that pitch. And then that was when, and then we wrote the script. It was kind of a little bit of like a proving process along the way. Yeah um i always liked and i think we may have revisited this in stargate and other sort of theme thematically i always I like liked the idea of a, of a civilization that's gone but it's been preserved in some format yeah there's a sort of poignancy to that like one of my all-time favorites uh, next generation episodes is the one where picard lives his whole lives a whole life
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh on this planet and it turns out that it's just kind of the a, inner light like a, yeah it's a it's a beautiful beautiful episode right and it's mm-hmm. kind of got that theme theme to it and I always liked that idea in science fiction. I always found it kind of poignant and sad. And it's probably why we wrote the sad version <laughs> right. uh, originally. Cause, cause you know, that's kind of how I think of those stories, but, um, uh, I was just glad that they liked it. I mean, honestly, I was, they were, I, I know that Rob like later, cause Rob and Brad read the script. I think they were literally going to on a golfing trip because they had just finished season three and they were, I think they were a bit worried because Jonathan had left and Correct. they didn't really have that many other writers, if any. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how many writers they had that had survived at that point. So it was the two of them, and they were like, "We got 22 episodes of television we got to make next, starting in January." This was like in November. And and he remember he told me he read the script and he looked at Brad and he was like, "Okay, yeah, this is going to help." <laughs> like, this, this, I think this, we're going to be okay this, this with good these good guys. news. Uh, <laughs> they were happy with it, and and you know I'm glad they were. We had just I think I said we, we were we had worked on student bodies and we had then went on to one other show. I forget what I forgot exactly. I think it was Big Wolf on campus. Yeah. And they wanted to fire us because they did not want to fire us. They wanted us to take a pay cut because we were too expensive. This is in by late 90s Montreal standards. Uh, uh, and we, we were like, no, because in our minds, we had pitched to I don't know if we had actually, if They had actually accepted the pitch yet but i literally in my mind it was literally like the next day we quit this one show and then we got the call to be on stargate or at least to write the script i forget exactly how it played out but it was like perfect timing for us because we were were just kind of losing our traction in one part of the television business and it was like this door opened
0: yeah when god closes one door (laughs) it
1: was and i I literally the way i remembered it was the next day which Maybe is me uh writing a more dramatic version of the past in my own mind but 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 that's how I i mean you'd have to ask Joe but if he remembers it that way, but it was literally like okay we're out of this this is yeah. this isn't this is kind of a dead end. oh, here we go, we're going to Vancouver and, and fourteen
0: and, you know. television seasons right, right, which of course we didn't know at the time <laughs> but, at the time, but an extraordinary body of work yeah. you know one one might wonder how you know how one could sustain. That over the course of you know you, you don't think about it you don't yeah. think about it you there's no way you don't sit there and go
1: how do we write ten seasons nobody does that you you think about the next episode right. you, and now I've said this before writing and producing television it's a it's a pipeline right like once material starts flowing through that pipeline you've got deadlines you've got your yep. you've got your broadcast schedule so because of that for then you're backing into a post production schedule so you're backing into a production schedule and you you keep going back and you can't violate any of those you've got no window to like fool around with that it's like once that process starts because money is being spent correct yeah it's a lot of money so it's like you don't think you you, you barely look around you're like okay we got to write another episode then we got to write it and you're breaking stories you're you're producing you're going to set and and it's it's a lot of work but it's your head is to the your nose is to the grindstone you don't think about the big picture of how many episodes or how many seasons are we going to do or anything you kind of think about that when the season's over you obviously hope for a pickup you know uh, as you're approaching the end of every season we started knowing we had at least up till season six or season five right that was when we went off showtime but uh so or actually I, I guess we knew we had season four i'm not sure if we knew we had season five yet uh it was pretty started. soon thereafter but yeah i forget but yeah. It became dicey later because like, you know, everyone knows that the, the, this in season seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, every season was like, this is the last one. Right. Every, exactly. Every one of them, I know
0: you're coming back. Season uh, 10. So- okay. Season 11. We can write sign yeah. uh, sign some contracts up. Oh, nope. We cut it. Yeah, It's like, seriously. But, uh, yeah. But, um,
1: yeah. So like we went in there just thinking, we're going to write a couple episodes of a show and who knows. And, <laughs> uh, but you know the premise was good. Yeah. Like I said, the premise is incredibly open ended, and there, there was major talent there in Brad and Robert that were already there on the ground, ready to to take our ideas and go even further with them. And and so it just worked out. You know, like I said, it just so happened that we weirdly got connected with this agent who happened right. to be Rob Cooper's agent. Does any of this happen? If any of those little pieces don't yeah. fall into place, if I'm not on the bus <laughs> thinking right. about thinking a pizza delivery, delivery, man, <laughs> I didn't watch, uh, what was it called? Echo park, which is a movie that nobody's oh, heard gosh. of, but I remember it. Be- I remember it for this simple reason. Cause it was, it started that whole ch- weird chain of events. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. You know, it's like, it's like when you look back on stuff and how did that happen? And you like, like people ask me, how did you get started in, in television? And it's like, a weird series of accidents happened yeah. to be honest with you i don't i don't really know how else to put it, but I don't want to be too self deprecating here you have to have the, you have to be good right like when when the door opens and you walk through the door okay you've given given an opportunity you have now. to be ready we you have to deliver yeah. right so I mean, Joe and I wrote good scripts we the, the door opened for us, and we wrote good scripts, and Brad and Robert were smart enough to recognize what what that brought to the table, and they took and they said, yeah, come on board and we continued to do that. And, and which made the show live and breathe for as long as it did, right? All of us continued to do that. So it's luck, but it's also taking advantage of the luck when it happens. So I, it's a weird combination. I don't really have, so people ask me, you know, how do you get started or whatever? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. you, the only advice I would ever give to anybody who wants to be a writer is you got to write. You got to write stuff and you got to put your material out there because you don't know which weird accidental thing is going to result in you going getting somewhere with it. So that's Melinda. The best I,
0: Melinda Snodgrass said, "Don't." Uh, George R. R. Martin told her once, "Don't hoard your silver bullet." Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. You you just got you an just idea. Write stuff, put it out there and and hope for the best
1: uh, because. It is, it, like in our case, it was a weird series of accidents that ultimately led to it all happening. Uh, but at the same time, we were writing good material, right? It's, it's, you can't have one without the other. You can write good material and get nowhere because you don't get a lucky break. And that's unfortunate. Right. If but no I think it, it. If, if you push hard enough and you write enough good material, eventually you'll get that break, I think.
0: Yeah. A, a a few uh questions for you everyone keep in mind paul you know we're we're, we're just getting his feet wet here, hopefully he'll come back for more but uh lock watcher said Paul, do you recall this happened before you guys showed up? Do you recall where the uh, what the impetus was for the Wizard of Oz references?
1: No, I think somebody was just a fan- i don't know was it brad's idea i don't I don't know where that started. I think it might've just been Brad. It just kind of funny thing that Brad wanted to do. I I actually don't, I actually don't know.
0: Okay. That's fair. Uh, General Maximus. uh, Are there any of the stories that you guys told uh, over the three series that you would have liked to have developed further uh, given the chance, particularly, you know, like in season five, you, you, we reintroduced the Asgard, you know, they're, they're uh, the, 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 um, the aliens from the alternate reality, the gray aliens with the big red light on their heads, you know, that we see in the time shift. You know, there's there was a lot of stuff at play there. Is there anything that...
1: I can't... I, I don't really have a good answer for that because okay. there was just so much. There was just so much. I don't... Nothing really stood out to me as, oh, I wish we had had the chance to do something different with that particular thing because we did. Like, mm-hmm. most of the stuff we did we had we had 10 seasons to like look back and go "Ah, i really like to bring that character back or that concept back or whatever most of the stuff we wanted to do we did uh uh because we had so much so so many seasons of television to do um so i don't i don't really have any look back and you know and sort of regret and i wish we'd done this or certain episodes didn't turn out Mm -hmm. that happened a lot but that's just tv making you know it's there's budget constraints there's just stuff sometimes it just doesn't work the way you want it to work and you regret it and you think oh if we maybe had had a little bit more time or a little bit more money or if we had done this a little bit differently that episode could have been a bit better but like i said you're in the you're you're feeding the pipes so you don't have time to worry about it it's like okay well maybe that wasn't the best episode we ever wrote first of all you don't know what people are going to like and they're not going to like correct this is this is i've said this before and i'll say it again i mean anybody in the business who pretends everybody pretends they all pretend like they know every broadcaster pretends like they know every studio we know what our audience like and i'm like do you because if you did no show would ever get canceled Uh, uh you you can have an idea of of some of the basic building blocks of good television but there's weird stuff that there's like i said there's a weird alchemy that happens that it's really hard to pinpoint and a lot of it has to do with casting just getting the right people in the right. I mean, I maintain that friends, one of the most successful television shows of all time. If you read it, if you read friends, a typical episode of friends, it'd be like, that's kind of funny, but it was the chemistry between those actors Correct. that made that show that that was lightning in a bottle. They just, they just had something. And it's a perfect example of this, what I'm talking about, because you can write all these great scripts and, and have all these great ideas, but weird things have to come together to make it work uh and what and what I was my original point was some of the stuff that I think is necessary to make something work other people don't necessarily have that same thing so certain episodes that I thought were not that great people love so I I don't have you know so it's like it's like you do your best you hope for the best and and like I said you don't have a lot of time to worry about it you look back afterwards and say okay I wish this had happened and I wish that had happened but but I don't have a lot of that for Stargate. I don't have a lot of I wish something else had happened. I'm pretty happy with the way Stargate turned out overall.
0: And some things happen that happened beforehand that that fans love. You know, you guys come and look at that, like you know, that's not. I'm gr- grateful that you love it, but that's not exactly what we meant. Like uh, Rob Cooper, uh, we we talked about Eris Bach. Now, for you and I know for production side of things, there were a number of things that that were in play there that were complicated that don't need to be discussed, but it went on to create Vala. you know, like mm-hmm. the, the, the gen, the, the seeds of, of the chemistry uh, that, that ultimately became Vala grew out of a lot of those bounty hunter elements that came yeah. before.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was, that, I mean, like I said, that's part of the luxury of doing so many episodes, right? So, so you have time to, and again, didn't know we were going to do that, in right? Advance, but 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 as you're as you're going through it, and you're like, okay, you're trying new things, and well, okay, we could do a slightly different version of something that we tried before and make it better. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just so Vala is just Claudia, right? Like like correct. It's just we got this perfect person to play this part. It, you cast <laughs> another actress in that part, and it doesn't work. I maybe yeah.
0: maybe it does. I don't know. But it, it would have been different.
1: Yeah, it it know? just. It was, it's again, it's just this weird, I, I, like I said, casting is a huge part right. of it. Like you just, you get the right people to kind of pop into these. And and again, that was a luxury of of having season after season because right. you can see who popped. Right. Yeah. And if you saw somebody pop, it's like, well, we got to bring that person back. Of course. Right. And then eventually she became a regular on the show. That's how much she popped. Right. So, so you know, for us that's you now for every vala. there's other guest stars who, who we just go, yeah, that was okay, but we're moving on. Right. Um, but we just had so many opportunities that the ones that really clicked really pushed the show even, even further.
0: There, there were a lot of people who were on the fence about it. I mean, she's, she's saucy, but she's vulnerable. And you know, I, I loved
1: her performances. I loved just them. Extraordinary. Yeah. I, I thought she was a great addition to the show. Uh,
0: any, uh, Chance at pitching uh, uh, Stargate for Amazon, uh, if and when the new series uh, gets off the ground, you might take a stab at at pitching a a story or two for him. You think? I
1: doubt they'd want to hear pitches from me. I doubt. I I would seriously doubt it. I've I've aged out of the television business. I hate to say it. They 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 don't want pitches from. I mean, like Brad's different because he he created you know co-created the show. He's in, a, he's in a unique position but i don't think
0: they would want to hear pitches from me <laughs> well i would i I'd, I'd love to hear what you had to say mainly because you know we've we've had so much so much time and and you've you've grown as a person and i i uh, i i don't think your your stargate stories are done no, but that's no. you know that's 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 right in here so Paul um this has been great and oh, yeah, I've had a good time. I, I really thank you for for coming in, and I'd, I'd love to invite you back. You know, in the next you know couple three months ahead, if you would like to to talk again with us.
1: Okay, can you, can I show you one thing though? Please, I wanted to show you this. We're going over your time here, okay. right? I don't no, it's that. fine. It's your time because uh, I wanted to show this to you the last time we were on together, and I had Joseph with me, but I'm going to do it now. So this, I don't have a lot of Stargate um, um souvenirs. I've in fact i have nothing i have almost nothing i have my bottle shirt which i wore last time which is getting kind of old i can't wear it too often <laughs> because it's wearing out uh but this is this is quite precious to me this i don't know if you guys can see this a little higher so this and back
0: bring it pull it back so this what is that
1: this is an a it, it says stargate atlantis it's a notepad it's got my name on it it's in, we got these we were given these just for they were just stationary but if you, I don't know if you can read the very bottom, it says, Oh, Molly. It says Inquisition 052708. So, this, so those, those keen eyed fans out there will remember Inquisition was an um, yes. episode of, of, uh, of Atlantis. It was a clip show, I believe. I think it was a clip show. Uh, uh, we're being put on trial for all yes. the damage we've done in the Pegasus. Robert Picardo. Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, this is me. I'm doing this is this is what happened while I was on a notes call with the network for this episode <laughs> uh, speaking for about an hour and a half maybe two hours trying to defend now it's a clip show so look I know that people don't love clip shows I'm not an idiot but they're a necessary evil sometimes and you try to make them as good as you can and so I was fending off let's say some 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 criticisms from the network and this was Joe's contribution this is what he did during the during the meeting, we were on the phone, obviously. He, they weren't in the room with us. They were in L.A. He doodled this while I did all the talking. This was his contribution. And there's a lot going on here. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but there's some weird, like this frog in particular, who seems to have given up, he's, he's <laughs> a large height. He looks very sad. He kind of represents me, I think, in that meeting as I'm like trying to. Anyway, I don't know why there's armies of ants. They seem to be serving these uh, bug overlords. I'm not sure they're, <laughs> they're attacking this, this. I think this they're defending the,
0: uh, the dandelion. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, or, yeah. Like taking anyway, it or something. Somebody needs to analyze
1: this because it says a lot about the inner workings of Joseph Malazzi's mind. <laughs> it also says that uh, I did all the work in that particular meeting. But I've kept it all these years. It was been, it's on my bulletin board in my office. And I noticed it before the last time we were coming on. I was like, I gotta show people this, but I, I never got around to it. So that's it. That's like my that's like my that and my ball shirt. That's about all I got from in terms
0: of Stargate souvenirs. But that one, uh, that one, I'll keep forever. That's funny. it is. Like the, the dynamic of that relationship at that point, because you were executive producer. Both both so of you guys he? at this point he could have done some. That's time. what I'm saying. You're both executive producers. <laughs> And he got this lovely work of art out while you were taking network notes. I
1: think he even signed it. There's a little squiggly line at the bottom, and Joe's signature. I don't know if you've ever seen his signature, but it's It's pretty crazy. It's essentially just a squiggly line. I can remember we used to write, have to write, sign a whole bunch of documents, and by the end he would literally just, just. Come on, you got to put a little bit more effort into it than that. That's not a signature. But yeah, that thing, that thing, I cherish that. It's just, I look at it and I go, what, what is going on inside that person's mind? I don't know. That's I do know that he's not helping me deal with the
0: network notes. I know that, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, did you have no, to so. respond to each of those? Was that the procedure, or was it just like, oh okay, we'll we'll look into that. Oh, you know it's
1: every network notes call is a little is a little fun experience for a showrunner where you i mean they're never happy, they're never completely happy, right they especially with a clip show, and you know who can blame'? Them but at the same point at the, at the at the same time it's like well we need to do this because we need to save money so that we can do these big episodes that you love so much. So and we're trying our best to make it not be a crappy clip show, you know, to have to the key to a clip show is to have a frame that actually has some story value uh even though you're, you know, rehashing old material to save money. Uh, you still need an original story there and 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 so, you know, so I'm just, I don't remember a lot of the conversation. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't remember too much about notes calls. I do remember they they can be a little bit adversarial and a little bit difficult sometimes. I, I do remember one time Brad back when he was show running, I think this was an SG one script call where he literally almost climbed out his window is the window of his office. He was on, the, we were on the call and he was like, that's it. I'm open. I'm done. Like the frog, like the frog. He had had enough. <laughs> and he was like, he was halfway <laughs> out the window. He was like, I can't take it anymore. So I hope they were anybody? on mute. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Well, they couldn't see him. They couldn't right? see him, but, but he was... Uh, no, I don't think anyone said, oh, by the way, Brad's climbing out the window. Right now. <laughs> now. He's escaping. I'll never forget it, though. He was halfway out the window. He was like, I can't oh. take it anymore. But, you know, it's it's a creative process where, you, where you're collaborating with people, right? And you may not necessarily agree on everything. And they've got a, a slightly different agenda maybe than what yours is. Yeah. Uh, and you try to make it work. You apparently, what you can You know, I've heard stories about people. I've heard stories about people having. I think on on Battlestar Galactica, they used to have uh, screaming matches at each other about stuff. I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's true. Maybe I'm speaking out of school. With but, the but, network but, or with each other? Yeah, with with sci-fi. You know, oh, they okay. they have their battles. You know, yeah. it's it's normal. It's a normal part of the process. Obviously, you you want to get along, and you want everyone to to agree. But you're not going to about everything, and and you fight for some stuff and you let other stuff go, you know, like sometimes you're like, okay, fine, we'll do that. We don't like it, but you guys want it and we'll do it. And other stuff, you're other times you're like, no, this is what we're doing. (laughs) And you know, this is what we're doing. We all agree. And we want all of us on this end agree. And this is what we want to do. And they push and you push and you find a common ground somewhere in the middle. It's part of the process. So, but I just remember that one in particular, because I happen to have that souvenir from it. I wish he'd done that for all of them, to be honest with you, but that one's pretty. That's cool. pretty cute. Yeah. A whole series of, yeah. Yeah, of the, Joseph's for every yeah. network meeting. Who really knew funny. he was
0: such a who was such a visual artist, right? Like, who it's knew? really cool. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he has a thing for insects. Paul, exactly. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. And I'd love to have you back next year. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. I appreciate <laughs> your time, and uh, you have a great holiday, sir. And I'm going to wrap yeah, up too. the show on this side. Okay. Be well. See, See you later. Bye, bye, Paul Mully, writer and executive producer, Stargate SG One, Atlantis, and Universe. Hell of a guy. I am uh, so thankful to have these creatives on because they have they have so many stories to tell from all of their years of doing this. It's just extraordinary the amount of content that they have, and you just have to prompt them. And you get the you get the answers, but it's a lot of work going through this content. Uh, Gate Gabber, will Paul let us do a Dial the Gate T-shirt of that drawing? <laughs> oh gosh, that would be funny. I don't. Know. I'd have to get like permission from Joe or something with like proceeds going somewhere. We'd have to do something like that. I'm, that would that would be that would be interesting though. I, what I do need to do is take the the ball logo and put it on a black polo shirt and put that in the Dial the Gate. Uh, store i think that those would go particularly well i i certainly would like one um it wouldn't be it wouldn't be stitching but it would be printed on a black polo so that may be able to happen, but for sure, I'd like to get a closer look at that drawing. That's that's really cute. Thank you so much to everyone uh, for tuning in. Thanks again to to Paul Molly for making this episode happen. For uh, to Linda Fury, Gate Gabber, uh, uh, my producer, my moderating team, Summer and Tracy, uh, Jeremy Reese, Anthony Keith, uh, Frederick Markou at Concepts Web for for uh, keeping Dialgate going. Uh, Dialgate dot We have next. Um, let me see here. We have scheduled, oh, there's our merch store. Um, next week, we have a pre recorded uh, episode with Robert C. Cooper. Uh, there is a video right now on the Dialogate YouTube videos uh, page where you can add a comment to ask a question of his. Uh, that's going to be going to him. That's actually uh, right here. You can submit your questions to him and we will be asking those questions uh i think my interview with him is on tuesday so is it tuesday it's tuesday yeah so be sure to get us any questions that you might have for robert by end of day u.s time on um uh monday night so and i will i will be sure to uh have those contributed as well. We won't be able to get to every question, but we should be able to get to uh, a few of them. I think that that is is what we have here. I'm always missing something and terrified that I'm gonna uh, do so. Thank you so much to everyone who uh, uh, submitted uh, questions for Paul, wasn't able to get to all of them, but uh, you're you're continuing uh, to help Dial the Gate grow and uh, keep us going. We have uh, next uh, week after Robert Cooper, we have trivia, and you're going to want to tune in for that. That's going to be a pretty big show because we're unveiling something really cool. Something to do with the AI imagery that everyone has been playing with. And I will say no more on that. But in addition to that, we're, we're going to be shaking up trivia in a couple of, uh, of different ways. So it's going to be an exciting, uh, an exciting episode. And then uh, we're on break for the rest of the year. And we'll be back swinging in January. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a like. Share this with a Stargate friend. And uh, subscribe for more entertainment. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. And I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Akre. Animations by Bryce Ors The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Knoller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker. Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.